You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. Charlie and I back at it uh, after a busy week this past week. Of course, we had the bowl game on Monday and then basketball yesterday. State I mean, that was and only six days ago. Yeah, no, it feels like two months. Doesn't it, though? It's been a long week, hasn't it? It's a lot of stuff's happened in the last week. Or a lot hasn't happened, but it's turned into drama nevertheless. <laughs> of course, we won uh, football 19-10 to 10 this past Monday uh, down in Tampa. We won yesterday in basketball 64-54 over Ole Miss. Charlie, what do you want to tackle first? I think we have to tackle basketball. I think so, too. Man, how about that? Yesterday, it's probably a mixed metaphor, though, isn't it? Yeah, tackle and basketball. Well, I although thought, there was a lot of tackling going on out there yesterday, without a lot of whistles involved at times. I know, and I know that you know they they did let them play. It's amazing how well, they, they didn't play. let Tolu play. No, they didn't. He didn't play much at all yesterday. He had four quick fouls. Didn't play a whole lot of minutes. And so, hey, how about Will McNair yesterday? Well, wasn't he big? He was huge yesterday. Did you know that we scored? on 65% of the possessions that Will McNair was on the floor. Does it feel to you sometimes like we have better spacing when he's in the game? Well, they're not doubling. They're not doubling down. And so it's almost like you get the defense, you know, out a little bit more. And it is more spacing, I think, in the lane. It just feels like at times that's a good good change of pace. In it football, is. You need to change of pace back. You know what I like about Will McNair? He's, he's tall. Got, he's got the poker face. Okay. That guy could be ecstatic. He could be mad. He could be hurt. And he's got the same facial expression at all times. He was so good yesterday. He rebounded well. He defended very well. You know, I sent this tweet out after the game. And you look back at how it all kind of unfolded. We had the lead, small lead at the half, what, 26, 23, 28, 24. It was a three-point lead, whatever it was. And then we come out the second half. We couldn't throw it in the ocean. And then Ole Miss – you know, builds out that 38-31 lead. We couldn't make a shot. And it feel, felt like they had a couple possessions where they had figured us out a little bit. And I was worried. And then Eric Reed hits a three out of that left corner right in front of our bench. And I thought that was like it just the icebreaker. We go on a 16-3 to run. But, man, we had to have a big shot. Then we started getting some big shots. Right, there was that three was big. Deshaun Davis hit a three on the other side of the floor across from our bench. And got fouled. Where he got fouled, didn't make the free throw, but that's a that's okay. different issue. But I thought in both those things, what we have is good ball movement. You know, overall, I guess you, you start back and you think about the game yesterday. The hump was had a great crowd. And, Charlie, you know, I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. And I think Duty Noble, you just can't beat it. But I, let me tell you this. To me – there is nothing like a big game atmosphere at Humphrey Coliseum. It just I don't know if, if it's just the acoustics or whatever it is. But, man, it gets loud, and yesterday was fun. I mean, it was fun again yesterday. I thought especially in the second half, we got on a run there. It started getting loud. I think our crowd, I think the word I would use is responsive. Right. They're responsive to good play. I don't think we have the kind of crowd that – you tip it off, and just from the beginning, it's 
kind of that fake Duke, you know, just make noise for the sake of it. I think our crowd is more driven by the play than driving it. Is that fair? I think it's very fair. And we said this last year about baseball, about how, hey, we've got some big crowds, and it seems like in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, that's when they become big in the ball game. when, you know, it comes to winning time. I thought, you know, looking back, the crowd was great yesterday. Um, I'm going to say something that you may disagree with, completely disagree with. And I was talking to Greg Ellis, our former SID, after the game yesterday, and we both came to this conclusion. I thought yesterday's game was almost impossible to officiate. Now, were there some bad calls? Yeah, there were some bad calls. I didn't think Todd Austin was that great yesterday. <laughs> I Wasn't thought, that great? That, that's – uh. It's about his kind. He was a disaster. Well, but I thought Chuck and Doug were pretty good yesterday, uh, for the most part. They didn't get the obvious stuff wrong. You know, I just go back to the point. I think yesterday was very tough because you have two teams that have very similar identities who understand at this point of the year we're not very good offensive teams, and for us to win, we've got to play with effort and we've got to defend. Eight years ago, I think that game is easy to officiate and everybody fouls out, and we're going to be playing late in the second half. But yesterday they let them play, and it was one of those deals of how much are we going to let them play because you had two defensive-minded teams playing hard out there, and uh, they let them play, man. They let them get after it. But I thought yesterday was but, almost impossible to call. Okay, so, yes, I am going to disagree with you. Okay. And, and not dramatically, but the thing that I just can't get out of my head and SEC basketball right now. We're still calling a lot of dumb fouls out away from the basket. But in around the basket. Oh, it's murder. I mean, it's just absolute full contact martial arts going on down there. and Nobody's calling anything. And then meanwhile, out away from the basket, Deshaun Davis gets blindsided on a screen. He did. I'm not saying they were perfect. And then they call him for running into the guy. Well, that's and, and trying to roll around it. It that it was a, and again that goes back to your guy Austin made that call, but that's a that's a bad bad call. A couple of the fouls on Tolu were out away from the basket. I don't like. Why is it? And I get that this has to happen to some degree, but why is it that within six feet of the basket, I mean you can throw punches, throw elbows, do whatever you want to do to somebody. But then you, you get called for – when you get somebody who sets a screen on you and you get called for a foul, that's just bad officiating. I'm sorry, it's bad. Well, you have to understand one thing. I was coming yesterday from a high school girls basketball game where I had really seen bad officiating. Well, I was going to say, you want to see bad officiating, go to the hump later today. <laughs> Watch Mississippi State play. Women's that basketball. WNBA team that Dawn Staley will bring in here. Yeah, so – but I, I just thought that, you know, they, they let them play. Uh, here's the thing. They let them play. It was a physical basketball game, but they didn't let it get out of control. I've seen that game before. I've seen State and Ole Miss games before get out of control where officials. Tolu Smith was on pace for 11 fouls per 40 minutes played. <laughs> okay. So when we say we let them play, we let I – mean, you had Ruffin foul out for Ole Miss. You had Tolu nearly foul out. But nobody else got – I just thought it was – Erratic, a little bit. Erratic. Well, they let them play within, like you said, within within six feet, okay? Don't come in here with a faint of heart, okay? 
But outside of six feet, you saw some touch fouls. And I guess that's how they reined it in and kept it under control. Yeah, by calling fouls and guys trying to run through a screen that they didn't see coming. But I'm not bitter about that call. Well, That was just a dumb call. It was a bad, bad call. It was a bad call. And I it, guess in 40 minutes of basketball, I can't get hung up on one. But it's 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 a lazy call. But I thought he had some <laughs> others, too. Yeah. I thought – and maybe that's what I'm bothered about. Because if I go back in the basketball game, I can't think of calls by Doug Shales. I don't think of anything about Chuck. But Todd was just bad. Well, that's uh, I'm the same way, same way. And so you you look back at the game, rebounding-wise, we out-rebounded Ole Miss by eight, 42 to 34. Offensive rebounds I thought were big. We had 17 offensive rebounds and 15 second-chance points. We limited them on the offensive boards yesterday. They had just 11 offensive rebounds. And so, you know, we shot 40% in the game. Of course, the free throw is still a problem, 13 to 26. These are not situations. I go back to what I said a minute ago about teams understanding their identity. If you walk into Chris Jans' office right now, you know, what's the first thing he's going to say is, man, we can't shoot right now. We can't shoot free throws right now. We have a tough time offensively right now. I just love getting on Twitter and seeing the, we need to practice free throw shooting. No. I mean. You think, wow. No. They understand that. They know that. And I and mean, they the, do that. The guys know that, and they look. Pract- they've been doing it all summer. For example, went to practice one day, and just periodically, they'll call somebody out. And this was going on for a while. They'll call somebody out, and if the guy doesn't make the free throw, everybody's running. Right. It creates some pressure. You know, simulate a little game pressure. It's not. A, I think these things become mental. They do. And I think the more that. And I, I was sitting yesterday listening to some of the comments being made as we go to the free throw line. And these guys hear these things. When people are saying, oh, no, here we go again. Let's hope we make a free throw. I mean, what kind of mindset's the guy now <laughs> taking to the line with him? The, uh, then, oh, I got so I have to say this. And Eric reads at the free throw line when uh, Ruffin for Ole Miss fouls out. Yeah. And we get so hung up on the left, left right, right, left, right, sit down. The guys have figured this out. This isn't new. It's not clever. It's not creative. It's not unique to us. But yet we insist on doing it. And what does the opposing team do? They wait till you get ready to shoot the free throws and sit down. And if there was ever a team that didn't (laughs) need a crowd yelling, sit down, in the middle of a free throw, it is us. (laughs) And yet we do it anyway. And all I hear is about how our ACT scores are going up as a school. If that's true, either the ACT is getting easier or we need like a basketball version. We need a basketball section on the ACT. (laughs) Do I, A, yell sit down while our guy's shooting, or B, don't? Don't. Hey, uh, that was a big win for us. We had played two teams in Tennessee and Alabama. Did you see what Tennessee did yesterday to South Carolina? You see what Alabama did to Kentucky? That's what I'm saying. We played two teams that could be Final Four teams. I think it was Hatfield. Maybe it was Boyd that beat Kentucky one year. Joe B. Hall's like, this is the darkest day in the history of Kentucky basketball. (laughs) That reminds me, I heard the story last night. Going back to the early 80s, we had a guy who was missing so many free throws up at Ole Miss. Every time he'd go to the line, they were they were yelling out "point shaver." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was so bad. Well, <laughs> we shaving points. We we had the two tough losses against Tennessee, Alabama, 
and then, you know, you had a game yesterday at the hump. You don't want to lose two home games and put you behind, you know, the eight ball on losing two home games. Yesterday was critical. Yesterday was a must win in the early in the season. Now you go on the road to Georgia. Georgia is playing better. Mike White does a good job with other people's players. You know, if you give Mike White time to recruit, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see what's happening down at Gainesville right now. And so he's a pretty good – He's good in burst. He's a good floor he's good coach. out of the gate. He's just not good at getting players. And so you got to go to Athens. If you're playing that game at Starville, I feel a lot better about it. But going over there, it's always just a weird place to play yeah, over get Georgia. Auburn. I mean, this team – Then you get Auburn on the road too. So uh, yesterday was so imperative to, to come away with a win, 64-54. Still feels to me that Tennessee and Alabama are the class of this league. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I but, hope that's true. And I think there's no doubt that is true. Arkansas, you saw them yesterday. You know, they they did not look poised at all at Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be a different team at home versus on the road. I think they're going to be very similar to what we used to see out of Alabama under Mark Gottfried. This is a team that you just don't beat at Auburn, but they have, you know, some susceptibility on when they go on the road. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. So, it feels like the league may be better than perhaps I thought it would be. Yeah, you've got some teams, you know, South Carolina, man, Frank Martin got out to good time, or they got Frank Martin out at, at rock bottom. South Carolina was bad. Florida's not very good at all right now. Um, but everybody else, you've got some teams that, you know, are, are okay. So, and so then here's my question elite to teams. you. Um, at this point of the season, offensively, or we just are who we are? I think so. I think we are, but I, I mean, I, I keep going back to it. You know, yesterday when we caught fire, we hit some shots from the outside. All right, so let me tell you who I thought played well. We talked about Will McNair. I thought he played well. I thought Shaq Moore played well. Well, I was about to say Shaq Moore. And he's – I think the thing that frustrates you about Shaq Moore, that frustrates you at times about like a DJ Jeffries, is just the inconsistency. You don't – you just don't always know what you're going to get with them. Well, I think with um, – and going back to Shaq, I thought yesterday, you know, we rushed some shots from the outside at times. We set up for a wide-open three one time from the right wing. It was in the second half. Shaq spotted up, and he lodges that sucker in between the, the glass and the rim. I mean, you get that wide-open look. And so we've missed some shots that hit the outside of the iron. We're not talking about cleaning them out here. We're talking about throwing up some not not bricks but concrete blocks. That's the thing. Like, so that's the thing that gets me, is that a lot of times with some of these guys, it's not a matter. I remember Tony Watts. Tony Watts is one of my favorite players. Tony Watts would come out before the game. He had a basketball that he'd warm up with. It was like an inch too big. Yeah, it, it, two inches too big. But you had to, you had to flush it right to get it to go. This isn't a matter of needing an inch. This isn't yeah. a matter of just a little off center. Yeah, it's a uh, lodged an open shot <laughs> between the goal and the backboard. You know, <clears throat> we had a possession there where we took about three threes, and none of them. We were shooting towards, not you know, we're we're shooting towards the rim, not at the rim. It's like the old high school soccer coach I talked to one time. He said the whole key is just shots on goal. <laughs> He's like, we got no, just just push it in that direction. But go go in that direction, and I think that's one of the things you know. And during that possession where we shot the three and didn't come close on all, any of the three. All three were pretty quick, and then Ole Miss comes down, and that's when they took the 38-31 lead. And you're like, gum. And then you look up, and Eric Reed hits that three, and you look up at the board, we're only down four. 
you know, as bad as you felt like you were playing offensively, you look back up and you're like, we're only down four points. And then I thought, Shaq Moore, you go back to Shaq. It was one of those feelings. You, you move the ball around. He ends up with an open shot, top of the key. It was during that span, and he, he buries the three top of the key that gives us a one-point lead at 39-38. We probably haven't given Eric Reed enough credit either. He had nine points in the second half. He was your leading scorer in the second half of play and knocked down two three-pointers, only two that he took. And, hey, we're talking about these guys on the offensive end. I mean, on the defensive end, I thought our guard play was really good defensively yesterday. Um, we only we talked about them limiting Ole Miss to 11 offensive rebounds, but I thought we guarded well. We we forced some turnovers. Ole Miss had hey, 15. Jeffries guarded well. He did. Ole Miss had 15 turnovers. We only had nine turnovers in the game, only four in the second half. And so we took care of the basketball. So, And I go back to, to – I want to say one more thing about Eric Reed. We've said this before. He is a surprisingly good offensive rebounder. He's yeah. a very willing – offensive rebounder. I think that gets missed sometimes. Hey, you know what else? Guards do a good job of rebounding. Yeah, they do. I mean, Jeffries had eight rebounds yesterday. Keyshawn Murphy had some big rebounds yesterday. Hey, Keyshawn Murphy gave you, what did he play, about 20 minutes? 17. 17. Yeah, 17 had seven points. Three for five shooting. Had three rebounds. Yeah, I thought uh, Keyshawn Murphy yesterday. You know, he's still a redshirt freshman, still trying to learn a little bit on the defensive end. But, man, he gives you a threat on the offensive end. So, how about this, though? He played 15 minutes in the second half. Yeah, 15 of 17 came in the second half. Yeah. So, that was a guy who had a little left in the tank. Well, basketball, good win yesterday. And so, I guess what do we do now? Let's talk about the bowl game. We haven't got together since we talked about the – we had the Friday deep dig or the Saturday deep dig last week. No, I guess it was the Sunday deep dig last week. Yeah, we were off. Yeah. And then we had the, the Monday game. We came back and – had a busy work week this past week. And so, um, looking back at that game, do you want to look at your numbers first? Yeah, so my numbers are pretty good. Mine were, uh. So the first thing I said is that we had to hold Illinois to two touchdowns. Of course, two touchdowns might have lost us the game, but fortunately we held them to one. Right. So, came in under there, said we could not allow more than two sacks. Illinois didn't get a sack. And then – so we had to hold them to 130 yards rushing, huh? About 22. Yeah. And even adjusting for sacks, which we had seven, even adjusting for sacks, we held them to 60 yards rushing. That's phenomenal against a team like Illinois. We had 10 tackles for loss in that game. Our defensive front, yeah, was just whipped them good. It really was. And our linebackers were good. Linebackers were good. And, hey, I, we were going on the game, and you said. What's the key to the game? And I said Sherman Thames. How about that? Yeah. Sherman Thames played a good football game. He did. He really did. And he made plays in that ball game that he didn't make against East Tennessee State. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tackles for loss. He had what two and a half tackles for loss in the ball game. Yeah, yeah. And without Tyrus Wheat, we had to have him. And you know, looking back at that game, and you see where Illinois only had two hundred and fifteen total yards and rushing 22 yards when you start factoring all the sacks and things. Man, our defense was really, really good. And, you know, Matt Brock, who was elevated this past week to defensive coordinator, he came out after the game. Matt Brock was actually calling the defensive plays, and Zach Arnett was the guy signaling in the uh, the plays. But I thought Matt Brock did a good job. Here's the thing that Matt Brock did. He was not afraid 
to press the blitz button. Oh, and it worked. It worked. And here's the other thing. You know, Zach Arnett was signaling the plays in. Matt Brock was calling them. Right. Didn't change a one. Now, apparently they miscommunicated on one. They they got one that got signaled wrong. But there was never a time that that Arnett said, no, 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 we're doing this. He gave complete authority to Brock, and he lived with it. So, so many times when you hire a first-time head coach, you know, they, you go through the fall practice, you go through the you know, spring practice during the fall, fall practice during the summer and things of that nature, and you get ready for the first game. And no matter what an assistant coach is used to, the craziness of a game day sometimes gets lost. And it's almost like we had a practice game. I mean, you're not treating it. We wanted to win that game. That was not a practice game. But, I mean, you at least got one game going into uh, going into the fall. And so it's you finally get a game where Zach Arnett can understand what it's like to be a head coach and understand the emotions, how crazy things are on the sideline, go through now spring practice and a summer and a fall preseason camp and understand what it's like to coach a game. Am I overplaying that too much? No, I don't think so at all. There's so much in bowls. There's so much even more that goes on. You got to go to the beach. You got to go to the hot dog eating contest. You got to go to bowling night. You got to do all this stuff. And it makes it harder to do your job. There was so much. You think about what has been on this team in the past month since that Ole Miss game. You know, to lose a coach, to elevate an assistant, to do all these things. And now to have people that can't understand why we don't have an offensive coordinator hired within five days, it's just there's a lot that you have to sort through. And and tell me why I'm wrong, by the way. I want to talk about this OC thing one minute. Why am I wrong when I say we don't have to be in a hurry? I get it. The portal's open. I, I get it. But why do we have to be in a hurry? It was different as your head coach from a standpoint of you had signing day coming open, you had the portal that had just opened up, and the people around the program knew that Zach Arnett was going to be the guy and should have been the guy. Now, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, you want to make sure you get this right. I mean, Zach Arnett's a defensive guy. He's a defensive-minded guy. And you want to make sure. The last thing you want to do, and it kind of goes back to everybody asks, is, man, how do these coaches get these contracts that are so coaching-centric? I mean, how do the schools get these? How do the schools get the bad contracts on their side? It's because a lot of times athletic directors panic. Hey, I haven't hired somebody in three or four days. I've got to do something in a hurry, and then all of a sudden you end up with you know you're pawning off your university with how much money you're paying a guy. Well, this is a situation here of you don't want your head football coach to panic. You want to make sure that he hires the right guy for your personnel or what he wants going forward. And if that takes, I mean, will it probably be done this week? Probably. If it's not, I'm not in any worry about it because you just got to get it done and you want to make sure you get it right. You got to get your offensive coordinator right. I think it struck me yesterday when I started. It felt like the bowl game had been a month ago. I look up, it's been five days. And, man, there aren't many times in life where I know what I'm talking about. But when I do and I read the – narratives that get put out I'm often just alarmed Uh, and I won't say more except to say that some of the things that have been put out are just not only wrong but so completely wrong that 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, not in the area code of of being correct. So I'll just I'll leave it at that. But I'll just say, you know, the the fact that that I pull up things and we're already trying to decide whether Arnett's good enough to keep around for the twenty twenty three season because we haven't hired an offensive coordinator in five days. I just don't. I guess. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't see the – now, would you love to – I mean, man, wouldn't you just love to be able to say, hey, I anoint you my AD and we can pick who we want and, yeah, you know, we'll have uh, – And it's like everything in everyday life too. You would love to have hired somebody right after the fact. And and there are some bad people in this business. There are some people that will play you along a little bit and try to get themselves raises. We see that in everyday jobs, everyday jobs. And so you got to sort through the guys that – are playing you. Yeah, and so all that to say, I, I am strongly of the view that there is not one thing to fear except fear itself. Well, here's what I've learned just by looking at Zach Arnett and what he's hired in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I know where you're going here. You know, Chad Bumpus at wide receiver, Will Friend. Presumably – you would think as an offensive line coach. Yeah, although that has not been named. Right. He's going to be hired. So what do those two things have in common? Both guys are from the state of Mississippi. Now, I was in a text group the other day that said, man, I, I just don't know if I can get on board with, with Will. And, you know, here's a guy who's made his living recruiting kids away from the state of Mississippi. But here's my retort to that, Charlie. He's been selling Hillshire Farm sausage. And if you give the guy the chance to sell the country, please him. Uh-huh. If you give him the chance to sell the good stuff. Now. Now, now he I mean, it's no telling what kind of damage that he can do. But it just seems to me like Zach Arnett, knowing him, being around him, and understanding the recruiting area that he thinks he's got to be very good at is the 200 to 250-mile radius. Man, there's one and thing I can say. He said it last summer in yeah. the group I was with. He he is a believer in Mississippi athletes. I mean, as much as anybody, and it's not fake. It's not something you go say, and I think his hires are showing that. Yes. He is a true believer. And right now you've got one school that's talking about come to the SIP, and you got one school that's going to be recruiting the heck out of it. And I think what you're going to see is an all-out effort. I think, I think we're going to see a day. Look at Brad Peterson, a guy who knows every town in the state of Mississippi, respected coach, has the contacts. Tony Hughes still here. I think you're going to see a lot more effort and involvement, strategy, and emphasis on recruiting. And I, I enjoyed his comment that basically if we aren't recruiting Mississippi kids, we need to fire all the coaches. <laughs> well, I don't uh, see I don't think you'll see many plane trips up to New Jersey and Pennsylvania recruiting guys. Not too many. You may see a one-off here or there. And I think it goes back to you kind of look at that as you, you try to figure out, you know, where you are as a program, and I think player development, I think recruiting, you know, high school guys that have tremendous athletic ability and retaining those players is going to be a big factor in going forward with this program. Now, if State you and Ole Miss have always been different, but they are now as different in approach yeah. than they've ever been in, in the sport of football. And one, they may both be right. 
they may both just have different ways of getting there. I think some people have this idea of one's going to be wrong and one's going to be right. I don't know that's true. They might both work in their own way, but it is – well, you talk about people coming at it from different approaches. Yep. We're going to get guys from this area. We're going to try to retain them with the NIL situations. And we, you know, we're going to try to build a program. Now, if you had to go get, you know, one or two guys out of the portal, a few guys out of the portal just to kind of fill your roster, absolutely. But I don't think you're going to make your living with it. So, Is there a greater myth, by the way, than the value of the portal? I mean, look, you can clearly go get guys. You can clearly go fix a few things. I think some people view the portal like you just head down to Kroger and picking out what you want off the shelf. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. Um, well, hey, you know, we talked about Mississippi, Mississippi products, you know, country-pleasing, Strange Brew Coffee House. And, of course, Sunday Coffee, each Sunday, brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House, Shane Reed, and the fine people at uh, Strange Brew. You've got the Churn and Spoon ice cream as well. Two locations in Starkville. I uh, got the coffee grounds delivered to the house. I went to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They put them right on my porch. The nice, fine UPS man put them on my porch, and I drink Strange Brew coffee every single day, even when I'm down at the farm. If I'm going back to Startwell, I stop by the I've, – I've been going to the Spring Street location, Charlie. I know that's your go-to because of the drive-through in the mornings. Of course, University Drive as well, but Tupelo, Brupolo, but our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee. You can go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com for the coffee, for the mugs, or anything like that. And – once again, our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new or used car, go by and see our friends Chris Keene and the gang. If you're looking for you know, a new set of tires, if you're looking to get your tires rotated, a spray-in bedliner, go to the service center or the body shop, and they'll meet all your needs in the car world at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Um, Charlie, hey, another good company. I guess I'm just going to run through ads real quick. Another great Mississippi company, and that's Trax Plus. Man, you start talking about Strange Brew and Country Pleasing and Trax Plus. These are all Mississippi companies that continue to get bigger and better. And Trax Plus, with five locations now, it all started in Hickory, Mississippi, and that place has gotten bigger and better. And so the machinery world, when you start thinking about the forestry world, Barco equipment, I saw a big Barco machine going through uh, on, the, on the interstate the other day. And so... Saney Equipment, Saney Excavators, and Mini Excavators are good friends at Trax Plus. All right, Charlie. Hey, man. Uh, it's five weeks from Friday is baseball season. It's hard to believe that baseball is here, but at the end of the day, we're going to hire an offensive coordinator pretty quick. We've uh, we got basketball to play, and then baseball is on the horizon. Mercifully. <laughs> Glad to have it here. Absolutely. So, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. For Sunday Coffee, we're at Lake Tiacata again today. Charlie, thank you for driving down to the county today. Always happy to come down. Taking in the great scenery. I don't know if y'all got a lot of rain last night. We got a ton of rain last night. Lake's filling up. Yeah, it is. Looking good out here other than the, the gray skies, but you can see the the lake headed in the right direction. Yep. Women's basketball later today against South Carolina, top-ranked team to country. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.